So this morning, um, I'm glad you made it out in the midst of the first torrential downpour, although now it's clearing, so it's almost like a sign from the Lord. Um, But we have a guest today who we've had in uh, on Zoom during COVID and pre-Zoom several times into our church, Brad Jerzak. And I just want to share a little bit about who Brad is before he comes up to share today. Um, Brad is an author and a teacher. You'll notice there's some books here. He actually has more books than this that he's written, but some of the books that he's written recently. Uh, but he's an author and teacher. He's based in Abbotsford, so he commuted in the torrential downpour all the way from Abbotsford into Vancouver this morning. He serves as the dean at the theology and culture of excuse me, dean of theology and culture at St. Stephen's University in New Brunswick, uh, and he teaches peace study courses as well with um, the uh, IRJ, IRPJ.org. Uh, I'm assuming that's something about peace and justice and restorative in there somewhere. Uh, and is a regular speaker with the Open Table Conference as well. Um, he writes, he does some writing online, so he, there's some uh, websites that you can read his stuff pretty regularly on, the Clarion Journal, and also the CWR Magazine. You can uh, get these things as well. And again, through books and seminars, Brad has been teaching uh, about the love of God uh, revealed in Jesus Christ, and God's love heals our wounded hearts and empowers us to heal this broken world. Um, he is also married to Eden, and uh, she is on the pastoral staff at the Bridge Church in Abbotsford and uh, has and wrote a devotional book as well, Rivers from Eden, which I have read. It's a lovely uh, book to get you into that being with Christ mindset. And uh, so 40 days of intimate conversations with God. She also works with Fresh Wind Press and is a gifted teacher as well and retreat facilitator in her own right. So they are really uh, just bring a lot of goodness into the kingdom of God as a couple. So this morning, we want to welcome Brad to share uh, what is on his heart today, and really pour into us and to hear from him about hearing from God. So would you welcome Brad? As Can you pray for me? Something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Would you guys stand? Let's pray uh, together as we begin. Father, we thank you for our brother in Christ, Brad. And Lord, we know that you have given him gifts and acquired skills and talents that he's developed And so, Lord, we pray today for your anointing, that it would be upon him, uh, that we would hear what we need to hear today, that we would enter into what you have for us in this time of teaching and preaching and proclamation as well. We pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you. It's good to be back. First time um, that I've been in when the room is in this shape, and I was here when it was was long. Long and wide like the love of God, right? Thanks for setting such a low bar for me today. <laughs> Appreciate that, that. You named it that way. <laughs> um, um, so, first of all, I want to check my time. Okay. Um, so, uh, greetings also from the All Saints of North America Orthodox Monastery, where I'm usually on a Sunday morning. That's where I attend. There's a congregation, mostly Eastern European immigrants, I would say, and today they will be using bells and smells and um, a natural smoke machine made out of, I don't know what it is, but it smells good. And it's a very different place than this. But we've also discovered that the body of Christ is very wide, even this morning in our confessions and so on, and that brothers and sisters of all sorts are worshiping today. And so I'm, I really love to straddle different movements. And 
we we sometimes say that I've experienced everything from uh, incense to nonsense, <laughs> and and um, in addition to the breadth of the body of Christ, we're also going through massive transition time, faith shifts in not only our churches but in our culture. There's there's just an enormous amount of shaking happening. That was a I think a really apt word for what's been happening, a real shaking, and. Um, sometimes we've used we've used this word deconstruction to death. I kind of even twitch when I hear it, and yet I think it's describing something very real, and and how we cope with that. And one of the things I've noticed, especially through COVID, for example, is how many people even used COVID as an exit ramp from faith. It was a good, it was a handy way to do it without so much drama. A lot of folks just disappeared, and for some, that felt like liberation, frankly. There have been toxic church environments where people actually have felt the need to escape. And then for others, it's just been trauma. And they've moved from communi- communion to, to alienation. And so I've been watching this deconstruction movement, really, and I've, I'm seeing that whole range, right? From liberation and exodus and, and evolving into something beautiful, all the way to this idea of, of the trauma of alienation and disconnection and isolation. So I'm so grateful anytime I can find people who are walking through these shifts, who find each other and who gather. That's important that you came today um, if for no other reason than to remember you have somewhere you can belong. Uh, Not only belong, though, I love in your your statement on the wall there about that you want to be rooted. Or another word we could use for that is grounded. Or another word we could use for that is anchored. And I'm especially thinking about our need to fly. But I also watch kites that cut their own strings and fly right into a tree and get devoured. And so we want to be, uh, be anchored with wings. That's, one of, that's the slogan for the school where I teach. Uh, anchored with wings. And so you get this beautiful combination of, of, of being rooted in something. Well, in what? Well, here we've said rooted in love, which is straight out of, what is that, Ephesians 1? That you'd be gr- rooted and grounded in love. And um, that's like super important. No, that's Colossians 1, isn't it? Well, wherever it was. I love that the book of Hebrews says that. Somewhere it says this. Even, even the Bible doesn't give you a reference all the time. But um, in that, there's another word that's, that's out there to describe this big faith shift. So I want to address that briefly. Um, people like Richard Rohr have made it popular, and I'll explain it briefly, but it's the word liminal space, liminal space. Let's put that first slide up. Um, and I want, to, I want to talk about experiencing God in liminal space. So first of all, what does this word mean, liminal? Well, it's literally to do with a doorway or a threshold. A liminal space is about a space in between what we were and what we're going to be. And, and so it, we imagine stepping through a doorway, or in some cases, it's a long hallway, because our journeys take time. Um, 
It's an opportunity to pass through a doorway and walk into a new place in our world, in our story, in ourselves, in God. And while our experience of God, which could be an experience of absence, or it could be an experience of intense presence, um, during liminal seasons, uh, I experience them as largely involuntary. And my... But my orientation towards God is not involuntary. I can do something about that. I can approach God in some kind of way. I have some level of agency about how I'm going to walk through liminal space. So we'll stop there with the slides for now and just talk a little bit more about that. So liminal space, in-between space, transition times. COVID was an incredible example, right? So what was life like before the pandemic? What was life like during the pandemic and what was like life like after the pandemic? And every kind of experience falls in there, including incredible grief. Within a month of the pandemic starting, my mother-in-law passed away because she couldn't understand as a woman with dementia and Alzheimer's why suddenly her husband couldn't see her and feed her every day. And she went on a hunger strike and she didn't last six weeks. Incredible grief, trauma. To to meet at her at in, at the cemetery on the lawn, and my father-in-law having this intense sense of we couldn't even hug each other because we didn't even know if we'd find a, a vaccine at that point. On the other hand, like for me, I experienced it differently than that. I'm I'm an introvert. My love language is canceled plans. You couldn't care for me better than saying, don't leave your house. In fact, I, I was, uh, March 2020, I had to cancel 33 flights. And it saved my life. I was in two decades of chronic jet lag. I lost 40% of my income overnight. And it was like the best thing that ever happened. I've, I've now, so I'm like, oh, for some of us, it's not just like trauma and loss. It's also a reset and a possibility of a new way of being. But you have to go through the door. You have to cross the threshold. You have to pass through this liminal space. And it, it's such an enormous word because there's so many kinds of uh, transition times. Like during this time, my oldest son and his wife had their first child. That's like, that's a massive transition. Halloween is completely different for them now with a 15-month-old, you know? For him, learning how to walk, huge transition time. Others, it's like job changes or becoming an empty nester or retiring. Um, Losing a spouse. These are all transition times. And you aren't the same as you used to be. And as you can tell, a lot of those examples, you don't even have a choice. And so it is also with our faith. I have this feeling your experience of God has also got passed through some transition over the last year, 10 years, 20 years. So let's just let's be a little bit um, uh, interactive for a moment. We'll do a thought experiment. 
compared to, let's pick a number like 10 years ago, how, how is God different in your mind? I don't believe God's changed at all, but our vision of God, our understanding of God, our experience of God has definitely shifted. So how would you, how would you finish this sentence? Compared to 10 years ago, I find that God is much more or much less fill in the blank. Who'd like to start us out? God, God is different to me than he was 10 years ago. He feels more... Present during diaper changes. That was like a good addendum to. Yeah, interesting. Like we could just go off on that one for a while, couldn't we? Because in some ways, there, there's a t- there was a time when we thought like sacred space was about coming to church and singing and worshiping, and that diaper changes were the mess of life, and he wasn't really into that. And then all of a sudden we realized, oh my goodness, he is in the thick of it, right there. I mean, that'll preach. I dare not, but you should sometime. Anyone else? I had a son with a light brown birthmark on his back, but when you're half awake, we'd be trying to wipe the birthmark off in the, in the middle of the night. It's like, oh yeah, that's his birthmark, never mind. <laughs> God is more, God is less, yep. Clear? In what ways is he more clear? Ah, yep. Interesting, so... For those who didn't hear, much more clear because there had been layers of distraction. And those get moved out of the way. Did you know that's a kind of deconstruction? That's called the via negativa. It means the way, the negative way, but it's not negative about God. It's about removing distractions and hindrances and obstacles and even ideas about God that interrupt that connection. So when you say he's more clear... Hearing, seeing, and sensing, oh, that's a living connection with God, and it's come into greater clarity for you. That's good news. Now, we, could, we would have other people who'd say the opposite. Like, oh, yeah, he's much more mysterious now. I thought I knew everything, and it was all so clear 10 years ago. Not so much now. And that can be good, too. Because then what's being removed isn't distractions. It's more like assumptions, Right? God is more. Anyone on this side, please? Or less? Yes. Uh, more, joyful. more joyful. Isn't that interesting? What if God's the most joyful person we've ever met and he, he even knows all the bad stuff? And he's like, oh yeah, no, it's way worse than that. And he still is full of joy. For, and you might ask him why. That would be a good question. What are you so happy about anyway? Don't you watch the news? It's like, oh, yes. But I also know what I'm doing. You know, so, he, so he's joyful. Okay. So even in our understanding of God, our experience of God throws, goes through these liminal times. Um, <coughs> my best friends... 
um, at the time, they, they lost their teenage daughter, 15 years old. And it was very interesting as, a, as someone walking through that with them, the different experiences between mom and dad. So the dad experienced the loss of their daughter as absolute absence. Absence and inconsolable grief beyond any comfort absence of his daughter felt like an amputation from his life and not only of his daughter but of God couldn't hear couldn't see couldn't sense all he was in touch with was massive grief and what am I supposed to do tell him to feel better quote a bible verse don't you know the God of you know he, he, he's going to give you peace that passes all understanding he's like well he didn't Meanwhile, the mom is sensing her daughter's presence all the time. As if she's in the room. And also the presence of God in the same way. And so there's this massive sense of presence. Same event, two people, their experiences were so far apart, I wondered if the marriage would last. And you know what? It did. And it's because they didn't belittle each other's experiences. And maybe that's a lesson for all of us, right? We're all on a different path in terms of where we are in our journey. And for some, it's more presence, some more absence, some it's more mystery, some it's more clarity, some it's more poopy diapers. And isn't that a metaphor for life? And God is right in there. So I raise all of that now then to say, as I'm watching this great deconstruction, I call it that, um, I'm just, I have a book coming out in November called Out of the Embers, Faith After the De- Great Deconstruction. It's like what happens when we go through the threshold. Will there be faith on the other side? And you know what? For some, it's not. I have so many DMs coming through social media saying, I left the church and then... I lost my community, I lost my family, and then I lost Jesus. And and I'm like, how can you lose Jesus? And what I discovered there was that for many of them, they had never had an experience that they could identify with Jesus. And I when I would say, Well, we must have an encounter with a living person, or he's just another idea we'll leave behind. But what people would hear then was, um, uh, I would say encounter, and what they would hear is dramatic encounter. They're like, well, I never had a dramatic encounter. I'm like, I I promise you I never said dramatic. And I realized that people infer that. And the great elderly preacher from America, I think she's a Lutheran, um, Fleming Rutledge, she, she tweeted and she said, some people say encounter and it gets misunderstood. What if we called it a living connection? I'm like, oh, I like that. So I am so sorry for those folks who through their deconstruction ended up losing Jesus because somehow they'd grown up in a context where there was no living connection. It was, Jesus was a doctrine. He was a sermon. He was a historical figure. But not someone in me that I know. How could that happen? Well, the person who, quote, backslides like that, isn't that kind of on the church? 
that you could actually never experience a living connection that you actually already have. It's not like you have to go get this. He is in us. So how can we talk about that? How could we communicate that? How could we facilitate living connection? No, I'm not just talking like, you know, nominal church members. I got a message from a, a fellow who had been a central um, staff member and pastor in a multi-campus megachurch. And he had gone through his deconstruction and he said, I lost my faith, lost my church, I lost Jesus, I've even lost meaning and I don't even know if I believe in God anymore. He was, he was, um, he was in a psych ward because for him it was like, you know, my dear mom went through a mastectomy. And, and it's like there was this cancer that had to go or she would die, but she didn't know much, how much of herself she was going to lose. And it was like that with this pastor. There was something cancerous in his faith system and it had to go, but now he's like, he didn't know how to stop. And now he said, he used the word, I am bereft. That means like empty. Not just of God and Jesus and church, but even of meaning. He's like, I don't even know why I'm alive. And although he didn't want to kill himself, he didn't want to be alive either. And from the point of view of an ex-pastor who now no longer knows if he believes there is a God, he cries out in prayer. And the word that came out of his mouth was, Jesus. And it shocked him. It's like, I thought he was long gone. Oh no. And when he cried out to Jesus, he said, Jesus told me to contact you. (laughs) No pressure. (laughs) And so I said, well, I, I think the thing is just living connection. He goes, how can I have this living connection? That's the big question. Um, my godfather said, just tell him. Like, he already has one. You don't have to grope for this. But th- there is a question of how, how we identify that, how we, how we experience the living connection we already have. Another way of saying this is, how does God become real to us? Um, I'm thinking about some Bible stories. I'll tell you some Bible stories and then I'll tell you a couple um, modern stories. So one Bible story is this. Peter in Luke chapter 5, he's in a boat with Jesus. It's the first time they're having a a run of bad luck with the, the fishing. Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Boom, they pull up all these fish. And Peter, somehow God becomes real to Peter in that moment. His instinct is just to fall down on his face. It's like, depart from me. I'm a sinful man because he had just had an encounter. That one was pretty dramatic. But God became real to him in that moment in a way that he hadn't been before, even as a practicing Jew. Another example is when Luke or John chapter 4, Jesus goes to the the, uh, to Samaria, and you, of course, most of you will know about the, the woman at the well. He encounters this Samaritan woman at the well. It's actually an interfaith conversation at some level. 
and and um, and she's wanting to have a bit of a theological conversation, and he he goes and, and he points out her story that he couldn't have known naturally, and bam, God becomes very real to her, and she finds the living water. And he installs that, that spring in her heart. And it, he says, this is going to gush up from inside of you. And it's not going to matter what temple you go to anymore. It's that the Father's looking for worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. And she's like, sign me up. Because he never shames her. He identifies her thirst. Well, what I love about that story that we often skip over because it doesn't come up in the scripture reading necessarily when we do it, but is later in the chapter, this kind of really nails it. She goes to the people in Samaria. She says, I met the Messiah. He told us, he told me about my life and he couldn't have known it. This is unbelievable. And they actually believe her. They become believers because they heard about Jesus. Then they beg for Jesus to come meet them in person. And they get to meet him. And, he, and they say, could you stay? And he stays for a couple days. And, and at the end of that, there's this amazing statement. The Samaritan people say to the woman, when you, when you told us about him, we believed you. But now that we've met him for ourselves, we know and believe that he is the savior of the world. That's saying more than Messiah, by the way. They get this expansive vision because they met him for themselves. He became real to them as more than a second-hand testimony. They got to encounter him. And I just don't see people deconstructing that. So it's my heart that we would learn about that, that somehow we would orient ourselves towards the living connection, the one who's already in us. Um, now, a couple like contemporary stories that are more recent. So one example is, is a, f- a friend of mine. She used to be a pastor too. Um, let's say, when would this have been? Early 90s, she was a pastor in a big church. Um, one of the people on staff, working in worship, working with children, all of that. But she had a secret life. She was um, trying to cope with trauma using alcohol, abusing alcohol. And ultimately that got so intense that as an alcoholic, she had, she had to make a choice in herself, leave the alcohol and do her walk with God in the church as a pastor or quit the church and walk away from God and sink into alcoholism. And she chose the latter. And I don't know how much of a choice it was because it was such an addiction. It doesn't appear like there was tons of agency and she just descended into hell. <laughs> and again, like the guy early in the earliest story, lost her faith. Lost Jesus in the mix. Now, I get to tell you the story. These don't always end up well. Sometimes people just die in that state. I can tell you lots of those stories, but that won't lift you up today. In her case, 
she ends up meeting a guy who's like never gone to church, but he does go to AA. And she starts attending the AA meetings with him. She starts finding a place of belonging, people where she can be um, like brutally honest with someone who won't judge her. She gets rooted and grounded in love. And I will actually say that's the love of Jesus, but he did it anonymously because she associated the name Jesus with the bad stuff. But that doesn't stop Jesus. He's like, well, I don't know. Call me light then. Call me love then. Call me life then. Whatever name you need. I'm here and I'm not leaving. Well, she doesn't realize that, but she does experience it. And she starts changing from the inside. She starts getting free. She starts getting sober. She starts finding love. And then she would say, I'm going to quote her directly here. It was so good. I'm like, I need to quote you, and I want to get the words just right. She said, she will be standing in her kitchen, and she will say, sometimes there's a comfort that comes, and it's so deep in my heart that the peace and the serenity overtake me. And it's like out of the blue. It's God. And she knows it now. Because she couldn't manufacture it and she couldn't drink herself to serenity and she couldn't work herself out of that. It's just this grace gift that showed up. So beautifully, she ends up reconnecting with us after, man, that's got to be 25 years later, which is weird. Um, Seeing what life and alcohol has done to someone after not seeing them for so long, it's, it's jarring. But also we could see the light in her eyes of someone who knows God and knows that God loves her, forgives her, and has set her free. But she says to me, like, she's still in a liminal space because she's like, I just don't know where Jesus is in that anymore. Like she doesn't have a place for Jesus in it. And I mean, I guess I could have told her, well, that was Jesus. He was anonymous. But I... God gave me different words that day, and, and I, they've become really important to me. And maybe they'll be of help to someone here, whether for yourself or others. And it is this, that many people understand that there is a power greater than themselves, and that if that, if, if, if that power is God, then that God must be love. Most people get that in, at some level. Where does Jesus fit in it? Here's what I've discovered. Another liminal space happening. Jesus has died. He's resurrected. Thomas encounters him. Why does Thomas fall on his knees and cry out, my Lord and my God? He saw saw Jesus' wounds. It's not because Jesus glowed with light and brought lightning down. He saw his wounds. Here's what I need. It is not good enough for me to just worship universe or even um, abstract God. I need the God who can show me my wounds in his hands. The wounded God, the vulnerable God that has suffered, not only the wounds that I've suffered, but the ones I've inflicted. And, and a God that, a God that doesn't bear my wounds, um, Maybe others can worship him. I'm not so interested. But that one, the wounded God, crucified and risen and alive, 
That's the one that came to my friend and found her in her shitty diapers. Right? And, and what's happened? She, she says, oh, that could work. <laughs> so she ends up showing up at my wife's church the next week with her, with her, bo- or her husband, who's never been in church before, the next time. And they're like, can we run the coffee here? We're really good at that. They're like, you don't have to. You could just hang out. No, we want to because we know the power of serving. Oh, so they've oriented themselves to the love of God through not just via negativa, what he's not, but also uh, via activa, the active way, the active way of serving, the way of serving in a church, the way of serving coffee, the way of serving addicts, the way of serving the homeless, the way of serving the poor. And we're like, oh my goodness, all these people um, uh, gathering around this couple who's just like starting to get it. So coincidentally, on their second time attending my wife's church, I got invited as the guest speaker. We did a Q&A time at the end. And um, she, she's the last one to put up her hand, this same woman. She goes, where does Jesus fit in all this? And she like knows exactly what I'm going to say. And she does it on purpose because it works for her. To put her, um, she wanted to put the ball on the tee for me to say that, and and it wasn't that cool, you know. Um, one other story that's very very recent about God becoming real to us. You know, my second son Justice, he lives in Korea. Um, he loves Jesus and he listens to God, but he hasn't, you know, darkened the door of a church in ten years. And we often wonder, it's like, where is his faith? What's happening? Is he okay? And um, is, is God real to him? We absolutely see him living a Christ-like life, following the Jesus way, but is God real to him? So yesterday morning, I woke up to some messages from him that he had sent at night from Seoul. And he said, my, my, we knew nothing about the trampling that had happened yet. He said, uh, my friends sent me the following text. And he sends a screenshot of them inviting him to the event where the people were trampled. And then he said, I had such a strong premonition, and if I were to put it in words, it would be, don't go. And then he recognized it as the voice of God. And he sent us a screenshot of the text that he sent back. He goes, I'm not going. It looks like a death trap. And within a few hours, over 150 people had perished there. Now, we've got to do a lot of caveats with that. Does that mean God loves him more than the people who died? No. No. (laughs) Did God do that to the people who died? No. Um, I could even say this, it's lucky he listened that time, and maybe God was sending that warning out to the whole, to everyone, but how many of us are tuned in? I'm not very often. He's not very often, but in that moment, all we can say is, is, is that the Lord warned him, and he took the warning and didn't go. And so we're like, and what's, what's my punchline? Well, grief, 
trauma, but also a God who's very real to him today in a way that he hasn't been for a long, long time. And that just amounted to a bit of listening. Good thing you have someone teaching you about the sovereignty of God here. I don't know what I would say about that. I just know this, that if God speaks to us, will we tune in and will we respond? My son is glad he did, but he's also now wants to be an agent of Jesus in helping those who are traumatized. Um, let's see, how's our time? Okay, I'm just going to wind this up now. There, uh, let's go to the next slides. So I've got four ideas for, so that connecting with God as a living presence, having that living connection um, works for everyone because not all of us are wired the same. So for some people, it's this via positiva. That means the positive way. And it's basically drawing closer to God with fresh forms of our standby practices, like scripture reading, prayer, fellowship, teaching. Well, we've been doing that all along. It's like, yeah. And what are the fresh forms of that? Pilgrim Church is a fresh form of that. And that's, so that's, we orient ourselves toward living connection by gathering. And this is weird. Like when I, for me, prayer is a big one. So when I encounter God as in a living connection with a real person, it's usually when I'm by myself in bed praying at night. And because that's how I experienced him as a little Baptist boy who first met him when I'm six. And when I pray, he's like this close to me. No, he's closer than that, right? He's in me. He's in me, and I know it, and it's intense. And, and I had that as a six-year-old Baptist boy, and the degree to which I can be that little boy, I'm still connected that closely. My wife, on the other hand, I will say, how often do you experience the presence of God? She'll say, every day. And I'll go, well, that's, that's lucky. How? How is God real to you every day? Every single story she tells me about it always involves a connection with another person. So for me, it's, it's the privacy of my prayer life. For her, it's interaction with somebody else in the community. And by the way, not always a Christian. It has to do with some kind of exchange of grace, and Christ is in the midst of that exchange of grace. Being grace, receiving grace, God is there. So that's positiva. Let's go to the next slide. Via negativa, we've covered. It's when you draw closer to God by negating what God is not. He's not angry. He's not vengeful and vindictive and retributive. And, and those, as those knots get moved out of the way, I'm getting closer to him. Removing obstacles in my mind or my life that impede my pathway. Let's go to the next slide. Via activa. So some people, you know, we're, we're very devotional about our connection with God. And others just don't relate to that at all. But they draw closer to God through active engagement at the margins and in the community with caregiving, peacemaking, justice, advocacy, relief, development. This is Matthew 25. The Christ, we are going to meet Christ in the prisoner in the one who's in the hospital, in the one who's on the street corner, in the one who is naked or, or hungry or thirsty. And he's like, in that active engagement, you will sense the presence of Jesus. You're going to meet him in the disguise of those you come to serve. 
And let's go to the fourth one, via creativa. The creative way, it's when we draw closer to God. Some of you, will it will be much better this way, or easier, I could say, because you're wired for the creative edge of arts, crafts, iconography, mosaic, paint, sculpture, quilting, tapestry, musicians, composers, writers, poets, actors, dancers, photographers, designers, architects. You're doing your art, and what's happening? It's like, you ever heard of your muse? Like, what if that's God? And so I, I start, I, I'm just looking at some of these folks that, um, particularly songwriters who, who appear to have no connection to God because they're just raging hedonists. And yet these lyrics are flowing out of their hearts. It's like, what are they tapping into? I have an idea. <laughs> um, and so the, that's the creativa. I, I'm going to just add one last one because it's come up a lot tonight. What would we call it? Via, <laughs> well, whatever is Latin for trauma. I don't know about you, but like I met him when it got darkest. There's a Russian proverb and it goes like this. When you think you've hit bottom, you'll hear a knock from below. It's supposed to be like kind of a dark saying. It's like it's no. You you thought it was bad. It'll get worse. It will always get worse. But I've rewritten the 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 this slogan. Uh, when you think you've hit hit rock bottom, you'll hear a knock from below, and it's Jesus. When he's knocking on the door of our hearts, sometimes it's from the place even deeper than we thought was our worst trauma. That's where I met him. I met him in the abyss. I met him in the darkness. I met him in my sin. And he wasn't far from me when I was rebellious. He was the hound of heaven who kept nagging. Or that when we experienced our trauma, some will experience his absence, some will experience his as presence. So um, I'm wondering, so we've talked about like hearing God. I, I think the idea is with those, with those ways of being, with those orientations, maybe that's just where we tune our ears. And so I want to just pray a closing prayer, and then I'll, I'll give it back to Shell. Um, but uh, So Father in heaven, we thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus, who by the Spirit comes to us in, in liminal spaces, that you are the door. You are the door. And even in our place of transition, that, that, that you are in us, that you are with us, that you are for us. And when we're confused, you are not. And when we're uprooted, you are still the ground beneath our feet. And what if we were to all, what, whatever your way of being is, I guess we could all borrow this one for a moment, that if you would, if you would just, um, in your heart, stand before the living Christ, and he were to show you your wounds in his hands, uh, maybe you could also see his smile today. And that, if you could imagine eye contact with the kindest eyes you've ever met. 
I'm going to ask him one question. And I'm going to ask him to speak to you. And as best you can, listen. Jesus, what's the good news? Just take a moment. I love to hear good news. Is anyone hearing good news today? Could you just speak it out? What's the good news? This is not the end of the story. That's like so true. <laughs> yeah. Be still and know that I am God. You don't need to carry this. Let it go. (laughs) Sorry. I just lowered the bar for you, Shell. Come on up. Um, If you want to get, check the books out, I'll be up here after, but we've got other stuff to do right now. Thanks. Thanks.